curiosity is the anecdote for boredom. If you stay curious and you're always questioning, always asking, always reading, always learning, there's always one more thing beyond that to mm -hmm. learn and to read, and you'll never ever be bored. Boredom is not even in my vocabulary. Life is such a journey. I would say just appreciate every single moment. Welcome back to This Day and Age, where we continue to bring together experts in all things aging, providing vital information to help you and your loved ones make confident decisions while navigating life's journey. And I'm your host, Phil Tower. You know, while we brought listeners a variety of experts on a number of different aging topics. In fact, we've done that in every previous episode. In this episode, we thought we'd take a slight turn. We're shedding light on one of our greatest resources here on our podcast at this day and age, the wisdom and knowledge of the older generations. Their collection of stories, life experiences, and lessons learned over the course of their lifetime is truly invaluable. So, on this episode, we're turning the tables just a little, letting a couple of older adults be the experts this time around with some good old-fashioned advice for the younger generations. We recently set up at Calvin University where we had two Holland Home residents, Dan Girdwood and Lois Vanderwell, offer their advice to students, sharing wisdom on just about anything from relationships and finances to moving past mistakes and making big decisions. So our first question of the day came from a Calvin student asking, what's the best piece of financial advice you have? Ah, that's easy. Spend less than you make. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have rich yeah. parents? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you just work hard. I mean, you know, it's amazing what turns out right when you work hard. Do your best. That's right. Our next question had to do with finding time. Kids today are busy, especially as college students. I think it's safe to say busier than kids were 10, 20, even 30 years ago. So they asked, how do you make the time to spend with people that are just as busy as you are? So when I was dating my wife, we were high school sweethearts, but I graduated first and I went to a school in Flint. She went to MSU in Lansing, which is like, I don't know, 60 miles away. I would drive to Lansing and tutor her in like chemistry and different things. And that's kind of how we got to really know each other through study. And she was not so good at that. And I was pretty good at chemistry. So that was a good way to get together too. So we w I would drive from Flint to Lansing when the sun was right in my eyes the whole way. <laughs> and, and I tell you what, it was either that or large telephone bills. But back to what Lois said, if you want to, just figure out a way. Just mm -hmm. keep trying. Keep Try this, try that. Figure, do a little brainstorming. You can, you can figure out a way. Dan's idea is great to find one common theme, one common thing you need to do, and you do it together. And Sonoma had a question, this time about relationships. She asked Dan and Lois, what would you tell your grandchildren about relationships? Life is such a journey. Different life experiences we went through recently. Uh, we've been helping my brother-in-law, and it makes us appreciate every single 
possible mm. day. So back to boyfriends and stuff like that, I would say just appreciate every single moment right now. Very good advice, Dan. I pay her to say things like that. <laughs> <laughs> Jan and I have been married. Boy, I better get this right because this is being recorded. Mm -hmm. um, it's 76, so 46 years. And our anniversary is next week. Mm -hmm. And Happy anniversary, Dan. Wow. And boy, wow, what a, what a journey. <laughs> yes, it is a journey. The noise you're hearing is we're at Johnny's Cafe on the campus of Calvin University, which happens to be right next to one of the great Howland Home living campuses, uh, which is literally just right next door. And Lois is to my left, and right next to Lois is Dan. And Dan and Lois are here from Bretton Woods to offer wisdom on anything. This is literally, <laughs> you see this online and ask me anything. This is literally a real life ask me anything on uh, this podcast. And we are doing that with students from Calvin University. And we had another student named Christy. And Christy's question was, what is an experience that helps set your values in life? I think uh, my relationship to my God, uh, through my church, through my family, actually through Calvin as well, and uh, life experiences uh, that have benefited me and prompted me to continue that path. Find what it is that you value. Seek that with everything you've got. Read, listen, learn, talk to others about it, and uh, your own priorities will take shape. I think I heard somebody say one time on that, value people over things in all cases. And I thought, that's really true when it gets down to it, human relationships versus anything else. Dan, did you have anything to add to that? Everything she said, but I would also add that uh, life is not perfect. And uh, so in the things that I've done and tried to do, doing absolutely the best I can has always been important, both in terms of when it happened, but afterwards when sometimes it didn't work out so well. It's hard to mm -hmm. get over a real screw-up, a real failure. And I've always tried to rely on I did the best I could at the time, and that helps. And I believe there's redemption in almost every situation. Uh, a screw-up isn't a screw-up forever. It's a lesson learned. It's something you can go forward from and redeem the rest of whatever's ahead. Um, I honestly believe that in almost every single situation, certainly situations I've been in. So don't be afraid of failure. Don't be afraid of failure and, and look at ahead at what's next and how to overcome that. Somebody told me once that if you never fail, then you didn't try. If you're taking risk and getting out there, you'll have some failures, mm -hmm. but man makes life worth living. <laughs> <laughs> right. It, it really does. Well, it, and I think we need to try new things. We need to try something different. I wouldn't want to be in the same rut all the time. In fact, my motto has been almost all my life, curiosity 
is the anecdote for boredom. If you stay curious, if you stay curious and you're always questioning, always asking, always reading, always learning, there's always one more thing beyond that to mm -hmm. learn and to read, and you'll never, ever be bored. Boredom is not even in my vocabulary. So I don't know how old either one of you are, and I don't know if I should ask. I'm, I'm assuming, and I heard you say, Dan, you've been, you're about to celebrate your 47th anniversary, right? Yeah. So I'm going to guess, you look not a day over 57, but I'm going to guess. Oh, you're awesome. Yeah, you would, you would not have been legally married at 10. So <laughs> I'm going to guess you're 68, 69. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the the second half of that story is that I was the trailer. Um, my my dad was a farmer and he had some other jobs, but he had three kids. Okay. He waited ten years and those kids grew up and he needed some more farm help, so he had three more. All right. I've always been around older folks and I'm comfortable. And my mom was at Holland Home quite a few years, so it's it's a good match, good place. We then had a question from Savannah, which was. How do you get the most out of a situation? She asked, how do you really suck the marrow out of life? It sounds like you're already on the way to doing that by asking that question. And I guess I would piggyback that with saying what I just finished saying, and that is stay curious, and one thing will lead to another. You'll never be satisfied with just finishing that one question you have, you'll want to know what comes next. When I grew up, there was only one college that my mother and dad wanted me to go to, and all seven of in my family were able to go to Calvin, but they never ever let us think about any other college because this was the one in their book. My story's a little different. I'm a farm kid growing up. All of a sudden, I'm a senior, and probably ought to go someplace. And so I was the last person accepted at General Motors Institute in Flint, where I went to school. The last person that owes will be hired as a co-op student for that year. So I just barely got in. And after I was there for a while, I started doing other things and ended up taking some MSU classes, got an MBA, took some law classes. And my wife said, if I ever went to school again, I'd be in trouble. <laughs> so try, keep trying new things. You're at a great start. The next question came from Nada, a Calvin student from Ghana. And he asked, what kind of financial advice Lois and Dan had for him? Be very careful with credit cards. My, I have personal advice, not myself, but personal advice of people who got carried away with credit cards in college days, and it's it sneaks up on you. It sneaks up, and uh, it's hard to get control. I would say be very careful. I would echo that. My daughter had an issue, and it's tough. Mm -hmm. On the more positive side, there are people that will help, mm -hmm. both in terms of advice or even finances sometimes. Not always easy to find them. You just got to keep talking to people. You got to work work at it, you know, try to get a job to help yourself. People like it when you help yourself, mm -hmm. but just keep your eyes wide open and talking to people. There are ways. They're not easy, but there are ways. And, 
And there, I have one more bit of advice. There are ways also to control your own spending by refusing to buy that cup of coffee or that extra piece of pizza. Sometimes we think we need those things, but um, we can also do without some of those things we think we need. Here's just a, a side note. My wife and I lived on cans of corn and hot dogs when we were going through school. And we would always buy these cans on sale and stuff, like we'd buy a gross of them or whatever. And about two years after we got out and I had a job, we're like, we don't have to do that anymore. We, we just kept doing that for years. So so work hard. It'll get there. Yeah. And save as much money as you can. Yes. Save as much money as you can. You'll, you'll thank yourself five years from now uh. and 15 years from now. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Thank you. We had another student named Andrew, and his question for Dan and Lois was, how not to be a procrastinator? I used to make lists. So the tendency when you make a list is let the list expand to the hours that you have to get it done. But I put so many things on that list that I couldn't get them all done. And, and all of a sudden there was a sense of urgency to, to work at it. So I guess part of that is uh, figure out your priorities, what's really important, and make that the goal so you can get to it. I still make lists, and I'll go home today and I'll cross this off my list. I find that when I procrastinate, if I do, and finally get it done, I say, well, goodness sake, that didn't even take that long. Why did I procrastinate? Why did I put it off so long? So hit it head on and say, done. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think someone once said, do the hard stuff first. Mm -hmm. Get that out of the way, just like you were talking about, Lois. Get the hard stuff out of the way. It doesn't end up being nearly as hard as maybe you built it up in your mind. But it's easy to put off the tough stuff until it ends up catching up with you. Yes. And you spend 10 hours struggling with it, getting upset about it, and 15 minutes to get it done. Exactly. Before our next advice taker comes over to the table, so I asked Dan, uh, I asked Lois, rather, about trying new things. Maybe it's different at 65 versus 45. Have you found yourself less willing to take risks, try new things, Dan, as you get older? So the short answer is I agree totally with what Lois said. It's different risks. Um, when so I, no bungee jumping. Then. No, when 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 I was uh, let's see, back in 1980, no, 1988, I quit my job of 15 years and went to law school. And my wife thought I was nuts, and it worked out with a lot of hard work. And so I would never do that today. I mean. It's different risk. I try to do new things. I got a couple new projects I'm working on. I'm a woodworker. And so um, new things are the spice of life. They keep life interesting. So absolutely, I try, I try new things. Um, risk, I, I'd have to figure out what that means. Our next student who stopped by our table inside Calvin University was Austin. Austin told us he was recently engaged, and he shared how his fiance has a condo. And while they're looking to move in together after they get married, he's hoping for advice on whether they should buy a house now or if they should wait. 
We have some friends that live in Byron Center because it's kind of halfway between the two jobs they have. I mean, you can drive an hour to work if you have to, but it ain't easy, and it gets real old real quick. I would suggest maybe think about waiting to buy a house till you get planted. And you know what? If I dare say, being married for a number of years, defer to what your future wife would wish because you're always better off <laughs> saving money, getting established in her condo. It's a lot of stress. A new marriage is a lot of stress. Then you're adding a new house on top of that. I would not do that. I would wait a year or two, pile up as much money as you can for a down payment, interest payments that may come down, and you're going to look back on that and go, okay, now we get this marriage thing somewhat Figured mastered. Out. I, I didn't want to say mastered, but okay, I said it. It'll take you only about 40 or 50 years to get it mastered. <laughs> that short of a time. But give yourself time to let the marriage get established, get to know each other, enjoy life. And then when you're ready, and the fun thing about looking is you can always look for homes. You can always check out homes, save money, and then when the time seems right and the offer seems right and you've got a job and she's got a job and you both say yes, then it's time to buy the home. That's a good question. Yeah. yeah. Good luck. Congratulations. Yeah. Do you remember how much you paid for your first home, Lois, when you were married? Yes. I think it was about, boy, now that I think about it, I think it was about 15000 <laughs> Yeah. You, and we, you sold it, we sold it the next year for about 17000 So you felt like you had a win. We felt like we were rich. Yeah. I love it. You know, it's interesting because you look at that today and you could maybe put a screened-in porch <laughs> Maybe without the screen on the back of your house for $15,000. It's amazing to think about that. You remember what you paid for the first home you bought, Dan? Boy, it had to be in the range of 20-something. Yeah. Yeah, we, it was uh, it was a little one-bedroom, or, yeah, two-bedroom uh, ranch, no basement, no upstairs. I mean, it was a tiny little house, but we still drive by once in a while just to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> I want to ask about Bretton Woods, if I can, for a moment, because you both live at Bretton Woods. I'd like to talk about the respective decisions to move into a community like that. You know, we've talked about it a lot on previous episodes of this day and age. If I can start with you, Lois, what, I mean, you you probably began thinking about it, or was there a trigger point? What What caused you to look seriously and then decide to move to Bretton Woods? Can you walk us through that? Yeah, it was really a very easy decision. My father was administrator of a nursing care uh, facility in California. So this was sort of, this was a second or third career for him, but it still was in my blood, something I knew mm -hmm. that I would do. And he always said to his perspective, uh, new residents, move before you need to move. Uh, while you're still physically well, uh, and you can um, digest it all emotionally and mentally because it is, it's a big move. And um, so that was an easy thing to think about. Um, my husband passed away about 17 years ago, and I moved back then from Chicago back to Grand Rapids where he had, we had raised our family. Mm -hmm. I lived in a condo for a while, and at that time my mother also lived at Bretton Woods. 
So I, I was very familiar with the whole system, it's wonderful system. She had great care, and I knew I would be here someday myself. And uh, I moved uh, just short of five years ago and love every minute of it. No regrets whatsoever. None whatsoever. None. I love it. How about you, Dan? So, multiple reasons. My mom was uh, at uh, the nursing center at uh, Bretton Woods for 10 years. Um, during that time, she we visited her once a week. She never had a bed sore, which is amazing. She was bedridden. Um, she passed away one month short of being 100, and uh, the care was amazing. So we had a lot of experience with Bretton Woods. When it came time for us to sell a house and downsize, we're like, you know, do we really want to downsize to a condo and then sell it again and downsize again? Or, you know, let's just do it. And then the third thing was I had a lot of health concerns. And the fourth thing, I would echo what uh, Lois said. It's, oh, so much easier when you're mentally able to, emotionally able to deal with things, to make the decision rather than somebody has a heart attack and it's a crisis and they got to sell the house and they got to do their job. And they it's just overwhelming. You know, I heard you say, too, you do woodworking as well, which is which is very exciting. I mean, you can do that. At Bretton Woods, right? Absolutely. They've got, it's amazing things. Next up, we had a student named Jack, a nursing student at Calvin University, getting ready to apply to PA school. He was wondering if that's the right path for him and how to know if he's on the right track to follow, especially if he didn't get into those PA schools. I would say don't give up on any dream that you have. Um, if you... Um, don't get in as you worry. Um, it's not forever. You can try again. And maybe when you're in, as you're in your first position as a nurse, you'll say, you know, this is pretty good. I like this. Um, maybe I won't get, go on for a PA, but maybe 10 years later, you'll say, yes, I will. Give yourself some room. Give yourself some, uh, some latitude and some freedom to think, th think that through. Yeah, any, any hands-on experience that you can do, absolutely get your hands dirty and get in there and, and do it. Life is such a journey. You'll have multiple twists and turns as you go. If you do become a nurse, after a few years, you might say, hey, a nurse practitioner or PA or doctor or what. I mean, there's, there's a thousand variations to that. Um, try to combine the things that you like doing if you... I don't know if you like any finance or whatever. Maybe you'll own a company or whatever. There's thousands of stories. So, yeah, keep looking, trying, pushing. At this point during our time at Calvin University, Dan and Lois had answered quite a few questions. Yet we had another student named Lily who asked them, what was one of your most meaningful relationships in your life? Oh, I, 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 that's easy for me. So my wife and I met when we were in high school. She lost her yearbook, and I was a senior, and I helped her find it. And we just kind of started dating once a month, and then all of a sudden it was once a, a week. And, and here we are 40-some-odd years later, still married, and she's my buddy. I guess I would have to say the same. My husband was huge influence on me. He had a great sense of humor kept me laughing all the time. And he was a wise man in certain areas. 
not in every area. I had some wisdom too. And uh, we had a great life. Thank you for asking. So the next Calvin student to approach our free advice table with Dan and Lois was Joanna. And Joanna wanted to know how you move past a mistake. How do you move past mistakes? Well, I said earlier to another student, um, look back on it as a lesson learned and move on, make correction. Um, I'm a firm believer that every situation is redeemable and you can move on and make, make a better judgment next time and forgive yourself, the hard thing to do. And finally, our last student to stop by our free advice table was Rowan. Rowan wanted to ask Dan and Lois, what is the best advice that you've ever been given? Do we have a time limit? <laughs> I, I can't remember who said it, but basically it was, whatever you do, give it your absolute best shot. Do the best you can. You will make mistakes. If you don't make mistakes, you're not doing anything, frankly. But if something doesn't go quite right, I can go back to the fact that, you know what, I tried the hardest I could to make it right when I did it. And, and like Lois has said several times, anything that doesn't work out, that's part of life. Everybody makes a mistake. That's part of living. Mm -hmm. And you got to live. This is one shot to live an exciting, interesting, fun life. Boy, I, I don't know what to say except that my own advice would be enjoy college, look at it as a springboard for lifelong education. It's just the beginning. It's really just the beginning of a wonderful life ahead. And enjoy it. Enjoy, and make friends. Enjoy it. Find things you love. Keep doing them, both academically and professionally and relationally. There's a great quote Rowan from a guy who played hockey. He was probably one of the greatest in the last 40 or 50 years, Wayne Gretzky, if you've heard of him. And his quote is, and I've heard this mentioned a lot of times, you miss 100% of the shots you never take. Mm. And that applies in so many areas mm -hmm. of life. Good wisdom from these two, though. Thank you. So that wrapped up our time with Dan and Lois, where they were able to share wisdom with some students at Calvin University. And here's the good news. We hope to take this free advice show on the road. Maybe we'll find some more folks at locations around Grand Rapids that could use some free advice. And you'll have to stay tuned to see where we may end up the next time. But in the meantime, you can be sure to tune into future episodes of This Day and Age for information on all things aging. And be sure to visit thisdayandage.org to catch up on our past episodes. Also, please be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with family and friends so they too can stay informed and make confident decisions as they age. And until next time, for Holland Home and This Day and Age, I'm Phil Tower. Thank you for listening.